Welcome to the Weird on Purpose podcast. I'm your weird roommate, Erica. And I am your weird roommate, Noelle. And today, we have matching hair. We do. Holy shit. So, (laughs) Noelle dyed my hair the other day. And it's a pinwheel, and it's got, like, green, blue, and turquoise in it. Teal, whatever. And, um, I don't know why I want to say turquoise so much, but it's teal. And then she liked it so much... That I did it on myself. (laughs) That we did it on her head. Yes. So a pinwheel color is when you take the hair in several different sections. um, And you try to take them kind of angled. So you you slice them like pie slices. Um, Some people do four. Some people... Well, no. Typically a a pinwheel is at least six sections. So some people do six. We did eight. Some people do as many as like like 16. Like really, really thin little sections. Um, Six is a very common one because rainbow pinwheels are a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, hey, who knows, that might be my next one. Um, so, it, it just, dis- it, it disperses through the hair, like, a pinwheel, and it really looks cool. I feel like I look like a, like a goth rogue from X-Men. You do. Because I've got, like, that big chunk of, of neon green in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks fucking sick, and we have cool matching hair now. Yeah. We're twins. Mm-hmm. Mother-daughter. Sister, sister. Brother to brother. My brother, my brother, and me. <laughs> uh, um, so today, guys, because it is one week from spooky, well, less than a week now. Yeah. Um, we are having our 2018 Super Spooky Extravaganza. So we we have some fun stuff on the schedule today. Um, we're first going to talk about, we're going to have a pretty decent spoiler warning, and in the description of the episode, we'll, we'll put the exact, um, time frame, what's the word I'm looking for? Time slot, I guess. Yeah. Um, to skip to if you want to avoid that, but we're going to be discussing the Haunting of Hill House and why a certain character is the underdog for the most terrible character. In the entire series. Yeah, in the race to be the most shareable character. Yeah, and it's not... <laughs> ominously, it's not who you'd expect. Yeah. Um, and then we also... I have a, another interesting unsolved case to talk about. And Erica's gonna be reading us not one, but two uh, creepypastas. Yeah. We get spooky. And, and it's not gonna be Sonic. It's not. These ones are actually... Time. These ones are actually like... Holy... Holy shit! Even though Sonic is the best. God, I'm so, I'm still mad. Because I'm still so mad, still mad. And then, um, after this, during our our day of creep, um, Erica and I are gonna go to a haunted corn maze. I'm so excited. It's gonna be fucking lit! I'm gonna cry. And someone, somebody, I don't care fucking who, better hold my fucking hand. Because I will cry. Yeah. Like a little baby. It's gonna be amazing. Alright, so... Haunting of Hill House. That was a good fucking show. It was. Like, genuinely good, creepy show. Yeah. It was creepy. It was scary. There were moments where I legitimately screamed. There was sadness. There was sad. There was, there was really, like, real family relationships and drama. The, and entire, the entire family was incredibly attractive. They were incredibly attractive. Erica would die for Theo Crane. She'd kill or be killed for her. I would... I would do any number of things for Theo Crane. I adore her. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether I want to be Theo or be oh, under I'm, Theo. Would be under Theo, yeah. Because she's fucking gorgeous, she's got but she's also thighs. like 
a fucking psychiatrist, which is what I want to be one day. She's like everything I aspire to be and also everything I aspire to be with. I fucking love Theo. But Luke, Luke, I would fu- I would burn the world down to protect him. Yeah, big same. Like he needs protection. He needs love and care and no one ever believed him. No one believed him. No one. And I got really mad about it because Steve was such a fucking piece of shit. He was. And, like, Luke was a precious angel. And Luke, um, like, when you, when you delve into the fact that no one's ever believed him, like, even as a child, um, again, we're, I'm giving one last big spoiler warning because after this we were talking about a bunch of spoilers. Um, so, um, we're gonna give you a spoiler warning. And seriously, like, watch it. You should, watch it, you it's amazing. It. Um, and now we, we give a two-second pause, and we proceed. But yeah, no, the <laughs> fact that, like, he chose heroin to, like, deal with it. Because he, he spent so long being told that everything he saw, thought he saw didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So when he kept seeing it into adulthood, his choice to to use heroin to kind of escape from that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, I know it does. And His like, whole story makes a lot of sense yeah. for, like, who he was. And yeah. the twin thing. I know. And that made me so fucking emotional. Like, that whole part with Nell dying mm-hmm. and him feeling her death. Like, like literally, like, I just, he was, like... He was, like, feeling rigor mortis. Like, because he was, he, like... He was clean. He'd been clean for... 90 days. 90 days at that point. And when they, because I guess that he had want, he had gotten out of the the rehabilitation that he was in because a friend of his who was in it had run away and he was trying to help her. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, fuck her. I hope she yeah. overdosed. Um, Fucking she was, bitch. She, he sold, he pawned his brother's camera, which he stole. No, he didn't. He gave it back to Steve. Oh, yeah. No, he didn't give the camera back. He gave the Yes, I- he did. He gave all of it back. Oh, weird. I thought mm-hmm. he gave, I, I guess I did. I guess I wasn't. I was paying attention, but I guess I missed that part. Yeah, no, he gave, um, Steve gave him the 200 and he gave back the iPad. And then, like, before he actually walked out, he just handed the camera back. Oh, okay. Because he just wanted the money. Yeah. Like, he wasn't so trying to pawn anything. He got the money from his brother to get them a hotel room for the night so that they could... So she could come down. So she could come down. And she fucking stole it and ran off. And she's never seen in the series again, except no. in, like, a fever dream, basically. Yeah. Like, um... So she's never actually seen again. So it's it's honestly presumed that she probably overdosed. It's possible. But like, fuck her. Yeah, no, fuck that. Um, but she like used kissing him to like get in his pocket and, and steal the money. She yeah. was like, "What the fuck is after happening? everything he'd done for her and after like their history together?" That and like was running weird. away, like basically was them forfeiting their spots. Yeah, and, and so he gave up his spot. Yeah. For her. So they wouldn't let him come back. And so, like, when he tried to get his spot back, he called again, and Steve was there, Steve, his brother, to, like, get to get him because they found Nell. out that Nell died. Yeah, because his twin had died. Um, and he was like, I'm not high, and I haven't been high, and, like, I'm, I'm just so, so cold. cold. And he's like, and my body is stiff, and, like, yeah. I, and it was really, like... It was really emotional and sad. <laughs> because, like, he doesn't know, and, like, his neck... From, like, since the night before when she actually did hang mm-hmm. herself was hurting. Mm-hmm. And he, like, he's like, I slept on it wrong or something. Like, he yeah. couldn't figure out why his neck hurt so bad. And it was because Nellie fucking hung herself and yeah. broke her fucking but neck. But, like, 
not purposely either. And that's no, no, like no. fucked up in and of itself. Well, yeah, because like everyone was like telling him that it was a suicide and he was like, no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, and he's like, it fucking wasn't, wasn't a suicide. Because it wasn't because the house killed her. Yeah. He knew, well, I mean, Olivia. Well, Who I- pushed her? Was it Olivia telling her to come home or was it Poppy? I can't remember. Nobody pushed her. Um, well, not it doesn't in, like, show real it. life, but... No, 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 I mean, like, you're thinking of Olivia's death. Poppy pushed Olivia. Yes. Like, but I don't think it ever shows, like... No, I think it does. Like, I have this weird, like, vague memory of Nell standing on the balcony and turning around mm-hmm. because she was scared and Olivia was standing there. So it might have, it must have been Olivia. I don't know if, if Olivia pushed her... But I know that she was standing there and she wanted Nell to come home. Because yeah. Olivia was all fucked up from the house. Yeah. Um, and she had this weird, like, Poppy fucked her up and she wanted to protect Nellie and Luke. So she wanted to kill them. Yeah. And that's why Nellie died, like, yeah. for sure. And yeah. Luke almost does. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Whether, whatever killed... Nellie, like, something was there, and it, like, all of a sudden, she was on the other side of the railing. I remember that. And she yeah. was, like, she was, like, oh, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to. And then, I think it was Olivia was, like, yeah. I don't know, telling her something. Um, but, yeah, that fucks me up that, like, Luke felt it. Yeah. Like, the twin thing was, like, always, like, they talked about how big of a thing it was in when they were kids. Yeah. Because, like. Nellie was like, why are you awake? And he's like, because you're awake. Mm-hmm. And they're like best friends. I would die for them. Those I, children, God. those child actors, I would, I agree. I would burn the world down to protect yeah. them. I would do anything to protect all of them. Except. Stephen Shirley. Stephen Shirley. Fucking. Okay. Young Steve, here for. Yeah. He was a good kid. He was trying his best. Young Shirley? I would protect young yeah. Shirley. She went through a lot of shit. She did. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a really intense part where like. She tries to save these kittens, and she like they, they, all, she, they all die because they're sick, and it's really sad, and it's her first kind of brush with death. And then there's like, and it fucks her up so bad, like, it, well, it doesn't fuck her up. It's the cats, and then like the way that they describe it to her, and then her mom's death, yeah, that made her become a funeral home director. I think the biggest thing that made her become a funeral home director was like when Olivia dies, and they she doesn't want to see her body in the funeral home. Um, she sees them and they're like she's like she sees olivia's body in the open casket and how she looks peaceful because the guy walked up with her and he's like um she's like oh you fixed her because she doesn't look all all like fucked up because she she fell from the second story her head was wrecked yeah yeah it was a mess um i i can relate to that because like i've seen my grandma and grandpa in an open casket and they looked my grandpa looked Kind of, like, they didn't die in, like, a gory fashion, of course. Like, my my grandparents both died of natural causes. But, like, my grandpa, I remember because he looked much more peaceful than when I saw him the night he did die. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can relate to how she probably was like, well, I want to make sure that, like, no one ever feels as scared as I do. And the the thing, the whole thing with, like, her as a kid and him walking down with her to see her mother's body was mirrored when she was grown up and she yep, helped that kid that and she kid, walked yeah. with him down to see his grandma. grandma. Um, so that made her become a funeral home director. But 
I have seen so many articles talking about how Steve is the worst. And I'm like, yeah, Steve kind of sucks. Like, he did exploit... He The thing about Steve that made me mad wasn't that he wrote about his, his, his experiences in Hill House. That's fine. That's all fine and dandy. Um, what made me mad is the fact that he refused to believe everything that happened mm-hmm. to him. And refused to believe his siblings when they said that But exploited that things, it for profit. But exploited it for profit while basically telling them they were crazy. Yeah. Because and he'd never had any experiences that he knew about. No. Until they go back when he's yeah. an adult. He didn't know. He didn't see anything Mm-mm. the night that Olivia died. He didn't see. The only thing that he really saw was Olivia running after yeah. them. And she was limping. Yeah. Um. But like. And then he knew the the coroner's report. Yeah. And, like, that kind of stuff. But he didn't believe anything their dad said. He didn't believe anything that his siblings saw. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't think that anything had really happened. He thought that just their dad killed their mom, I guess, is what he thought. Like, he, he wasn't sure. No. What he really... what It boiled down to what I think he thought was that he believed that their mother was... Crazy. Was a schizo- had schizophrenia. Yeah. And that she was, like, manic. Or, like, some other, like... Like, that she had, like, severe... Med- like, specifically that she was... And that they that all did. Was, that it was a genetic... She was a depressed schizophrenic, problem. is what he said. And that it he blamed his father. I don't think he ever outright said that, like... He killed her. He killed her. But he was, like, talking about the coroner's report to him. And he's, like, there was, you know, evidence that she'd been slammed against a wall. Yeah, and, like, so, her ankle was twisted so she couldn't run away. Yeah. And, yeah, he just didn't know what happened. But what he really thought was, like... Because he says, like, you left a manic, like, manically depressed schizophrenic woman alone in that house. And she wound up dead. Mm-hmm. Because, like... She did fall. Like, there was evidence that her death was caused by a fall. Um, and, like, what else was I going to say? But, no, like, Steve, straight up, he was he was kind of an asshole. Um, but I think he was, like, doesn't make it better, but he was probably the most hurt by their mother's death mm-hmm. out of all the kids because he was the oldest. And yeah. he loved her it's very obvious how much he loved his mother throughout like their childhood um it fucked all of them up but like steve i feel was like more affected they have that moment in the car where he's like i miss my mom yeah i want my mom and like it's there's like a fan theory or i I don't know if it's like a fan theory or if it's just kind of like an observation um but the the crane siblings are the five stages of grief yeah and steve is absolutely denial Mm -hmm. and it's funny because it goes like in the order of their birth so steve is denial i think shirley was anger theo is bargaining Mm. um luke is depression and then nella's acceptance yeah but no he's luke is older than her but and that's the thing is i think that steve probably did have experiences but he absolutely won't believe that he or wouldn't believe that he did well yeah because like he He's the clock guy mm-hmm. in the in the and hallway. The tree house. He didn't know yeah. that that was and the gaming room because he's the one that had the gaming room yeah, that the red room turned into. He, he'd gone and he and, was in the treehouse. Exactly, the and his dad was like, "Well, I never built you kids a treehouse." Yeah, and he's like, "We were gonna be and, there for six weeks at the most. Why would I do that?" And no one ever knew about the gaming room. No. Like when he like finds the 
the makeup table that he like the vanity, redoes, yeah. the vanity that he redoes for his mom, and he's like, I found it in the gaming room, and fucking what's her face was like, what? Like what room are you talking about? Yeah. Um. But he had those experiences, and he he saw the clock guy, but he didn't realize that person wasn't there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he probably had a lot of experiences. I think he was, um, probably slightly haunted the same way everyone else was. Yeah. But he just but didn't believe no, he was, it. He was in denial. He was uh-huh. very obstinate about it until yeah. the end. And it was, ex- it gets extremely fucking annoying. Yeah. It like, who boy makes me violently angry. He um, makes me very mad. He does too. But I would argue Shirley is worse. Shirley is absolutely a garbage fucking human. Okay. So here's what, he, go ahead and be like, no, I would protect any of the, of the Queens except Steve. No, fuck you. So, there's all the articles I've seen or like Tumblr posts. They're like, um, like I would, I would die for Shirley, Theo, Luke, and Nell, but Steve can choke. No, Shirley is terrible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like there, of course, like it, it's thought that her, her being in this five stages of grief is going to be anger, which I get, but like, she is the most self-important, oh, yeah. self-righteous, hypocritical piece of shit. Okay. So, Nell gets married in the series, and Luke comes there for his twin sister's wedding, and this is, I think, at the peak of his heroin addiction, and Shirley tells him to leave, and gives him $100 for a cab, and tells him to go, and I'm like- What does she say? She's like, you can shoot up the rest of it for all I care. Oh, yeah. You can't be here. Yeah. She straight up says that to him. And it wrecked Nell's day. Like, she was very upset about the that fact he that her wasn't brother there. wasn't Everybody there. was there except him. Yeah. And, like... And she never knew that he tried to be. No, she never found that out. Never. And that fucking kills me. So there's that. Yeah. There's the fact that, like, she is so fucking... I'm sorry. Like, I don't get why she gets to dictate that nobody else gets to take money from Steve. Yeah. Because, so basically, Steve wrote, when he wrote the book, he was like, I'll give you all an eighth of the, mm-hmm. of the, what, of the royalties. Yep. Which would and have been a lot of fucking money. It was like $15,000. Yeah, it was a lot of money. And I think that was like, and I don't think that and was. And then the royalties were still coming in. That's exactly what I was going to say. It wasn't a Years matter later. of like, this is a one-time thing. It's like, I'm going to keep giving you this. Mm-hmm. Which I honestly think is a, like, is a pretty, I understand that he was doing it to quell their anger, but I also think it's like it's a cool thing to do for your family. Oh yeah. No, like I think he was trying to be very fair about it. Like yeah. he wrote the book. He called all of them crazy and said that none of it ever happened. Blah, 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 blah. But he also was just like, yeah, but I wrote this story based off all of your stories and like, yeah, take the money, take the money. So, and she just kept calling it blood money. And I'm like, Oh fucking shut up girl. So like, yeah. ba- like, uh, uh, so she basically dictated her and Kevin, her husband not taking it, fine. Also, super glad Kevin doesn't die, because I actually really love him. I know, him. I liked Kevin a lot. Um, dictates her family's not taking the money. Which is whatever. That's fine. Um, and but then, then she tells Theo, Luke, or Nell Theo and Nell that they can't take it. take it either. And it's not a matter of telling them, like, you shouldn't. He, she's like, well, none of us are taking it. Like, so matter-of-factly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're gonna fuck up all of the rest of their days? Like, so she's, like, she's so fucking mad about that and i think arguably one of the worst things like so when nell dies it is thought that it's a suicide because but for all in 
intents and purposes it was. Mm-hmm. She really, it really looked like nobody no, was really fucked up. No physical. Um, what's the word? No entity. physical entity murdered her. No. For every like technical sense of the word, she did kill herself. Yeah. So it was technically a suicide. People. Yeah. But like, sure. The one thing Shirley did that made me the most upset was that like. She kept going off. She's like, she knows what this does to a family. And she didn't. Fuck you. I hate that shit when people do that. Like, yeah. Like, grief is not easy. And it's not like. And of course, this is like a fictional situation. But like, yeah. I, I, you know how I am about like grieving. It's not easy. And it's not the same for everybody. And like, losing a mother is one of. Uh, coming from experience mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things for a family to do. Mm-hmm. Losing a parent is. You should never have to bury your parents that young. Like, there is a saying, think, like, children should never have. Or parents should never have to bury their children. I agree with that. But you should never have to bury your parents that young. Nellie and Luke were six when Olivia mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were really young. It's, it's, it's incredibly hard. And, like. Not to mention. The fact they saw some shit that none of the other no, kids did. They saw some shit. Yeah. They went through some shit. Yeah. Nell and Luke specifically because they watched Abigail die. Abigail was the Dudley's daughter who everybody told Luke didn't exist, but she, uh, like, spoiler alert, Ugh. again, Abigail did exist. Abigail was she the Dudley's daughter. She would sneak out of her house because and they go were to very the field in the forest and, and play with Luke. Play with Luke. And so Olivia trying to preserve, like, Luke and Nell as children because they were so young and they were her last babies. Because um, the house literally drove her insane. to insanity. Yeah. Um, she tried to kill them with rat poison and... Had a tea party up in the red room. Mm-hmm. And poor little Abigail ended just up drinking the tea. Just happened to be there. Yeah, just happened to be there and she drank that tea and she fucking died and they watched her die. Yeah. Like, there is no... Yeah. And then the fact that, like... There, and I'm sure that they probably, because, you know, there's there's things as, like, like what is it, the trauma blockers? Mm-hmm. They probably blocked that the fuck out. But oh, their yeah. mother tried to kill them. Yeah. And, like, they went through some fucking shit. And I'm sorry, but they went through, like, a lot heavier shit than the rest of them did. Especially because they had the twin thing. Yeah. Like, and... I think Theo also went through a lot. Oh, yeah. Because she, she saw a lot the... of shit. But that's... A lot of that comes from the fact that she has the, the empathic touch, the yeah. psychic thing. Um, but Luke and Nellie got the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they were so young. Yeah. Because, like, Nellie had the bent neck lady, which ends up being her. Which is fucked up! Time is really weird yeah. in the Haunting of Hill House. I don't know... It's very strange, mm-hmm. like, because Nellie explains it at the end where she's just, like, it's, like, confetti following confetti. all around yeah. us. Like, um, but they definitely, like, their mom tried to kill them, and I'm sure they, you know, realized that at a later date, mm-hmm. like, um. And, and I'm honestly, like. And no one ever believed Luke. That no fucked him ever up. That fucked him up so yeah. bad. Like, and his like, whole life. So, for everything they went through, um. If you're someone, like, if you're someone who's, like, prone to suicidal I- suicidal ideation, I have to imagine losing a family member increases that. Like, I really do. Um, 
So Shirley just gets so fucked. And it's and again, I understand it when they explain that they're the, the five stages of grief, Shirley being anger. I absolutely understand her anger, but I still think it's shitty. And she's just like, why would she do this to us? And I'm like, first of all, she fucking didn't. She didn't want to die. No. Third, secondly, even if that were the case, nothing that she did was targeted at you. Like, people don't... I'm not going to get too much into that because I can, like, I just get yeah. mad. But, like, God, she's the fucking worst. And then, can we talk about how the scene where, and of course it ends up being, like, not what it looks like, mm-hmm. but the scene where she finds Theo and Kevin in the in the closet together, mm-hmm. um, and she gets so, like, terrible and, like, like self-righteous and won't speak to either of them, um... But it turns out that years before she cheated on Kevin, I'm like, fuck you. You, no, you don't get to be like, I'm going to protect Shirley with my life. No, she's a terrible character. She is just as bad as Steve, if not worse. Yeah. Like, all Steve did was, like, he made some money. Yeah. Like, granted, he was an asshole about it, but, like, Shirley straight up fucking sucks. Yeah. Like. As a person, she just fucking sucks. Like, she fucking... Um, you don't get to cheat on your spouse and then be this this self-important, like, high and mighty fucking thing. But that's why she felt, like, that's why she was overcompensating with, like, her, like, being very aggressive. Yeah, no, And being I, very, like, I'm better than all of you. And, yeah. Like, when she blames... Perfect Shirley. Yep. And when she blames Steve for not doing enough for Nellie, when Steve tells her that oh, Nellie died, you, yeah. I'm like, I don't like Steve... But, like, you didn't pick up what either. the fuck was he supposed to do? Yeah. I'm like, like, bitch, you didn't pick the phone up either. The only person who picked up when Nelly called was their dad. Yep. Their dad's the only one who gave a shit about any of them. The whole series, yeah. it's like none of them except Luke give a shit about each other. Yeah. Like, Luke and Nell obviously care about each other, yeah. and Luke cares about his siblings. And the three of, like, the other three of them don't give a shit about the other ones. Yeah. Like, none of them. And I'm like, Nelly... Is the sweetest fucking yeah. thing. Like, the and whole then, like, fucking show. And then, like, do any of you give a shit about each other? Like, no one gave a shit about the, Nelly. No one gave a shit about <laughs> Nelly except Luke. No yeah. one gave a shit about Luke. And Hugh is the only one who gave a shit about all of them. Yeah. And, like, they were also terrible to him. Which I do understand. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. Because he couldn't come out and be like, no, the reason your mother died is because the house is fucking crazy and haunted. And she tried to kill she you She tried guys. to kill you guys. And herself. And like he was trying to protect them. Yeah, and he desperately. I understand him wanting to protect their like last image of their mother. I absolutely get that. That's why when, like, I was thinking about it for a long time because I'm like, oh well, why was Hugh so concerned about Steve opening his eyes when he carried him out of the house? Um, I was like, is he afraid he's gonna see a ghost? He didn't want him to see his mother like that, and that fucking wrecks me. And then I know they're mad. Because Steve always blamed him for leaving her in the house, and that's why she died. No, I understand why he left her there. He's like, you just tried to kill two of our kids. I'm not fucking taking you in the same car with no. them. He knew what was happening. He he did understand why Olivia did it. Mm-hmm. Like, because he knew she wasn't right. No. Like, they it had been a very slow progression of her becoming, like, not okay mm-hmm. while she was in the house. Um God, I wish she would have just gone to her fucking sisters. I, I wish she would have just gone. Why? Um... She was already gone. She no, was already she was too fucked. far. She was yeah. already way too far. Like, but she would have had to be out of that house for the rest of her life before she their, got better. Again. Olivia and Hugh's first and foremost thing with their kids was to protect them. Mm-hmm. Hugh left Olivia there because he was 
desperate to protect those kids. Like, out of fucking everybody, he loved those kids more than anybody. And he was just, he needed to get them out of there. And he knew he needed to get them out of there. Even though Theo saw some shit and it was never, like, actually talked about what Theo saw when their dad touched her. It's also never talked about, like, why she, she saw everything that happened and everything that was going to happen that night. Why didn't she say something? But, of course, she was a kid and she didn't understand it. The touch thing was still very new to her. She didn't really understand why she had that. It's never, I, I just, it's never explained why she's the only one out of the kids to have any kind of, like, psychic ability. But anyway... Um, I love their dad. Like, genuinely love their dad. I think he was a fucking great guy. Like, he tried very hard to protect them, and he protected them. He also he protected them. I think he fully knew that they would hate him. Mm -hmm. And when he and maybe not in the beginning, but as time progressed, he started to realize he couldn't win their favor again. And he was like, "I'm, I'm." I'm at my own expense. I'm never going to tell them what happened mm-hmm. because he and and I mean like if if the context of of the events of the haunting of Hill House never happened, that he would have taken that to his grave. Mm-hmm. But like once it got to a point where he he knew that the house was coming back for all of them, basically he needed to let them know why it happened the way it did. Um and like like the second Nelly showed any sign of. She was fucked up again with like the bent neck. He was out of bed. He was, he was packing. Yeah, he was he on was a fucking on plane. Fucking like way. he was going to her, yeah. and it sucks that that she like, she didn't ask for him soon enough. Mm-hmm. She was already gone, and it just sucks that like I don't know. It's just shitty that I do get mad about Shirley being like, "You didn't do enough to help her." I'm like, "Girl, you didn't pick up either." You didn't fucking she pick didn't. up the phone either. She, she didn't even do enough. She didn't even do the amount that Steve did. Because Steve actually did try to call and find out if mm-hmm. Luke was okay. Because Nellie was worried about Luke. Mm-hmm. Because she'd seen him on the ceiling. In the hotel. In the motel. Yes. Um, Shirley didn't even fucking do that. She just didn't fucking care. Mm-hmm. She was like, Nellie's just crazy. She just wants something or whatever. Like, she yeah. just legitimately was like... And, and can I talk about, like, adult Nellie, how they all, like, act like she's crazy and terrible? And I'm like, no, like, she's experienced night terrors her whole life. And, and the one good thing do. she gets in her life, which is her husband, Arthur, she is a night terror. And when he's trying to help her, he dies of a fucking aneurysm yeah. and she cannot do anything. Nope. And, and that's it. not in the context of, like, once somebody has an aneurysm, the chances of saving them are so... Oh, yeah, no. It's, like, 95% fatality. But the fact that he's sitting, he's laying there on the floor dying while she's literally frozen in a night terror. Seeing the bent neck lady and Over her dying husband. And she is so actually frozen and cannot do anything. And then they actually. she fucking crawls to him. Oh my god. Because she starts getting feeling back and she can move again and she's like whimpering. It ruined my life. And, like, the fact that they all just write her off as a nut job, I'm like, maybe she is crazy, but can you blame her? Died. Like, nobody's. Like, I get. I get the scene with her and Theo, why Theo gets so angry. Oh, yeah, no, I know. Absolutely, Theo's. Like, she has every right to be mad. But I also understand why Nell's so desperate. Mm Because she needs to know, like. She needs to know what happened for real. Yeah. And she just can't, like. 
I'm, I'm sure, like, in her, like, dying moments when she saw herself, she's like, no, I could never kill no. him. So yeah. she knew it wasn't. Yeah, it the bent neck lady didn't kill Arthur. It was, it was just... It just fucking happened. Yeah. It was a coincidental thing that it happened right then at that but moment. But I'm sure that, like... There's, I don't think it's a coincidence that the bet neck lady was there. I think that it's, there's something to be said about it. Like, I I don't really know. I guess it was like, because it was such a traumatic experience in our life. Mm-hmm. All it, the times that the bet neck lady shows up, um, are very important points in Nellie's yeah, life because exactly. it's her. Because mm-hmm. it's like it's her being there, like mm-hmm. trying to communicate something. I don't know, like. It, it's very strange, especially when Nellie's a kid. Um, and it's very strange to adult mm-hmm. bent neck lady um, Nellie being like, why am I seeing? Like, mm-hmm. And I can't move and I can't talk and I can't do anything but just stare at myself. Like, yeah. It's very strange. But but no, Shirley's the no worst one fucking... fucking character. Sorry. Yeah. Shirley is worse than Steve and I will, I will die mad about that. Mm-hmm. You cannot change my mind. But, like... I just... It literally took Theo sobbing and breaking down in a field on the side of the fucking road in the middle of the night on the way to Hill House for Shirley to, like, even talk to her. Yeah. Like, she... It's never even explicitly said that she forgives her. Mm-hmm. That she understands or anything. Yeah. She's just like, yeah, let's get back in the car. Yeah. I'm like, fuck you. No, she's... She's just... The, the word I would use is self-important because she she doesn't care about anybody but herself, it seems like. Like, you could make the argument that, like, no, she cares about her family and Kevin and that's why she was hurt. Yeah, I get that. I think she does. But Shirley puts herself first. Mm-hmm. And she's she's just a terrible character and you can't, you can't change my mind. Yeah. And I honestly think she is worse than Steve. I, I really I do. So um, I hated her so much by the end. No, same here. And, like, again, I think at the end they are all kind of redeemed. I think that they all, you know, Shirley comes clean about her affair. Um, Steve, I like the, the thing she says where she's like, you're going to have to love me harder than you ever have before. Yeah, like, right? to her husband, I, I really liked that and, line. And it's shown in the end that they are still together. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming he forgives her, which I can't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I just truly can't. Like, yeah. her being... But he was trying to do the best for his family too. Like he, that's why he took the money. Yeah, was because they needed. The oh yeah, fucking yeah. Because he took, the, he did, he took the money for them. For them, and he because if he hadn't, that home would have gone under. Yeah, because she was. She's a very. <clears throat> she wanted to be very this good. This is one and thing. So one good thing she did was that, she would was... help families, and she would cut costs, and she would, you know, Up do stuff for home, free. Yeah. Um, she was giving things away at cost or under cost. Like they were making no profit. And Mm -hmm. if Kevin hadn't taken that money from Steve, they would have, they wouldn't have made it. No. And that is what also made her very angry that like, she couldn't do it on her own. Mm -hmm. Like she could have, but like, she just, she wouldn't. mm -hmm. And I, and I mean that, that does show that she doesn't lack compassion. Like, But it's just... She has an immense capacity for compassion. Yeah. But, but just not regarding her for... family, she yeah. is... Her, her view of herself, I think, is very warped. And another thing is that she won't admit that it's warped. Like, she won't admit that she sees herself as better than them. 
And that's the thing, is she absolutely thinks she's better than her siblings, because that's why she wouldn't take money from Steve. She definitely thinks she's better than Steve, and I'm like, meh. You're not. You're just as bad, if not yeah. worse. And Theo is also very, like, I understand why she could be off-putting, mm-hmm. because she's very, like, closed and blocked off. Mm-hmm. But, like, the theocentric episode makes me just love her so much. And then, like, also for a good portion of the of the series after her episode, it's not a, that's not her as a person. Like, she just can't feel anything mm-hmm. because of touching Nell's body. Yeah, after she touches Nell's body, she can't feel anything. Yeah, and is... that's partially why she's such a gigantic asshole. Yeah. To Trish... And, like, everybody, that's why she was drunk at the funeral, mm-hmm. and she was just trying so fucking hard to feel anything. Yeah, because she, she, in the closet with Kevin, she's, because Theo is a lesbian. Yeah. A precious angel lesbian baby. <laughs> fucking superb, you funky little lesbian. Um, but in the closet, it does appear that she's, like, kissing him. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if they ever actually even kissed, because she said... No, she... I think they did, and then she says Kevin pushed her away. Yeah. And, like, she said that she was just floating around in the dark for... And she was searching for a light, and Kevin was that light. Yeah. She grabbed onto him, and she kissed him, and then she could feel again. And I have to... I honestly, like, I don't think that it was necessarily, like... That she had feelings for Kevin. Because it's, no. it's never shown like that. I think Kevin was just genuinely, like, a good dude. Mm-hmm. And I think he was a good dude that was, like, somebody she knew for a long time. Somebody she was friends with. And, and he was caught up in this crazy fucking family. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I, I just think, like, it couldn't have been a stranger kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so, like, and it's obvious that they don't have feelings for each other after that. No, yeah. But it's, like, the first things she could feel was mm-hmm. shame and, mm-hmm. and like, and I think she that's didn't a, feel good things. No, like, and I think that's horrible. a part of it is, like... But she wanted to feel something. anything. And I think that's a part of it. Like, maybe he seemed like a light because, she, like, subconsciously somewhere she knew she's, like, if I do this, I'll feel shame and at least that's something. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Um... And she's so much happier at the end of the show. Jeez. I'm just like, God. Um, what does she see in the red room? Because, like, Steve see. I can't remember what hers she... Hers is the workout room. Remember? Because in the in the very last episode... No, 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 no. I mean, I, yeah, I remember that. But I'm saying, like, oh, in the, okay. when they're, like, all as adults trapped mm-hmm. in the red room and they all have those, like, visions. It's Trish. She sees Trish and then, like, it's, like, really fucked up because they're, like, gonna sleep together, basically. And Trish is, like about to go down on her. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, all these hands from everywhere okay, yeah, are yeah, just yeah. touching her. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. That was fucked up. Yeah, that was really fucked up. No, because, like, Steve's was funny because the Red Room actually, like, straight up called just him called out. called him out. The so house was like, you're garbage. Yeah. And then, like, Shirley's was the guy the she, guy slept, she with slept with. Yeah. At the convention. And then... Luke's was... was Joey is her name? I can't remember the, the girl's name. Yeah. Joey, I think. And then, and then it was the red room with little Nellie mm-hmm. and their mom and her saying, that's, like, come home and shit. One question I have is, like, did Steve die? Or Steve? Did, did, did Luke die? Or was he, like, at the brink of death? 
Like. I don't know. And then Nell brought him back? Like. I don't know. Because he. I think that he was dead. I do too. I think that's why he was even there mm-hmm. where Nelly and I don't think he their could have gotten was. there if he wasn't. No, I think he was fucking dead. And if he had if drunk he had sat the tea and sat down, he would have been. He no, they never would have yeah. brought him back. No, but Nelly was like, was don't, like, don't, don't do fucking it. do no. it, don't do it, because she she was there, but unlike her mother and like whatever crazy part of her mother was still there. She didn't want Luke to be there with them. No. And I also think that, like... And that made Luke that was not the situation of... That was the exact situation of the night that... The, the, the last night in Hill House. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere he... Because he, even before Nell really started in on him, like, saying no, um, he didn't, he didn't he was seem like, comfortable. I don't, don't want to no. know what is happening. Like, yeah. he didn't know if he was dead or what was happening. And, like... I'm sure that that kind of triggered like a like a flight response because he was like, no, I remember this situation and I remember what happened. Like, there's no fucking way that. Yeah, he he didn't he didn't want to die. No, he's like the one person that like genuinely try like was trying very hard to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't want to die. He didn't want to do drugs anymore. He just didn't want to see the bowler hat man, which I understand because that freaked me out. Um, big, large, big, big, tall man boy. He didn't want to see that shit anymore. And he was haunted by it the same way that Nelly was haunted by shit. And, like, he just wanted to be okay. And he didn't want to die there. Mm-hmm. And the house killed him. Like, I genuinely... He was dead. Like, yeah. and, and then Nelly brought him back. Um, and that moment when she's in the room and she's talking to them, I'm like, I love I her love so her. much. <laughs> And I get why she had to be the one to die. Mm-hmm. Like, she had to be the one to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I get really emotional about that show. I Big cried scene. really hard Big about scene. it. And when you figure out who Abigail is, I was like, that's fucked up. Yeah. Like, Abigail Dudley deserved better. Oh yeah, no, she did. Even though she looked a little weird, she was a little weird kid. But like, she yeah, deserved she better than that. She did. But the Dudleys were like, crazy understanding. Like... Um, I'm sorry. If... Somebody's wife just murdered my fucking tiny baby child. I would wreck them. I would. I would, I would have I would thrown them over them. the fucking railing too. Yeah. But I also like they had been in Hill House for long enough to understand. They knew. They, and they, I think they even remember. I remember them saying that Olivia didn't do it. The house did. Mm-hmm. Like yes, Olivia physically mm-hmm. caused her death. Um, but I think they they knew that it wasn't her. Well, yeah, because. Like, they didn't stop staying in the house till after they had miscarried their mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. So, like, they had been there for a lot of shit. Like, they knew. So, like, when Olivia did that, they were just like, no, we get it. But just don't keep the house here so we can see our fucking kid. Like, yeah. please. And he fucking buries her in the backyard and shit. I'm like, fuck. And then the ending, when they come back to the hill house... And he carries her, carries his wife <laughs> from their house to the house, so she can die so there. So they can both die. So there. I don't think he's he's ready to die yet. Like I don't. I mean, like physically. Like I don't think he's sick, but he knows that's gonna be the last place that he goes. Yeah. And like. And then he sees them with the little baby. Killed me. Ruined and, my life. Ruined yeah, my no, entire I day. like actually screamed out loud. Yeah. The little baby and Abigail, mm-hmm. like, young again and perfect and mm-hmm. and wonderful and i just fuck 
<laughs> fucks me up. There's yeah. so many ghosts in that fucking house. Yeah. I, I do think it has kind of like an AHS murder house vibe. Like, if you die there, you stay there forever. But I think it's better than, than, than murder house, honestly. Like, the concept is executed better. Why would you say something so controversial and get so brave? <laughs> I love, don't get me wrong, I love Murder House. I, that's one of, I think that's one of the best seasons they've ever done for yeah. American Horror Story. But, like, I think the concept of a house where if you die, you're trapped there forever is just executed better in, in Hill House. Because, like, Murder House, the house isn't crazy. Like, the house isn't what's killing people. It's more, like... It's a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that leads to, like, people dying in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, it's not the same level of... The house is literally digesting people. Mm-hmm. It's feeding on people. That's what the Red Room is. It's, it's like, feeding on them. Mm-hmm. I saw this thing that was, like, um, uh, what does it say? It was about the black mold in the Red Room. And How much like, of that contributed to, to like, everything yeah. that happened? Well, I mean, the house definitely did it, but, like, how much of the black mold infesting that entire house, like, helped drive Olivia and helped drive, like, a bunch of their, like, craziness? I also, like, one, one unanswered question I have, who the fuck put the buttons on Nell's eyes? Because yeah. that's never answered. I don't know. Because I don't, I don't know if, like, like obviously I think the ghosts can leave Hill House and, like, interact with them because... Abigail leaves. After Abigail dies and they walk... She does! Yeah. And then Nell is there with them. Like, there's a point, I don't know, if like, if you're not paying attention, you might not see her, but there's a point where she's in the funeral home with them, Mm -hmm. viewing her body, and then, like, obviously the bowler hat man... And it's like you 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 do have to ask yourself how much of that is how much of that is them creating it creating it outside and of how the much, house. Yeah, but like that who did that is the question. Cause I mean it could be Olivia, but how many times does she actually leave Hill House? Because I don't think I don't she's think ever she ever, uh, ever seen other because than the ghost that's with Hugh isn't, isn't is actually him. a ghost. It's, it's him his, projecting. Yeah. Um who did it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I know it wasn't any of them. Mm-mm. No one would have done that. Maybe it was Nell, like. That's possible. Yeah. Nellie could have done it. Or maybe it was, I don't know. I don't know who would have done it. Yeah. It's very strange. It's a very strange thing. Very strange show. Very it's good a very show. good show. It's amazing. Yeah. I we finished it in two days. It was we fucking did. We we stayed up to like three o'clock in the morning watching the last few episodes because we needed to finish it. Yeah, and the last couple episodes are fucking heart wrenching. They are heart wrenchingly sad. It's really good. Yeah, it's it's a good show. Um. So what are we gonna do now? You have a thing to talk about. I do. I have a I have a fun unsolved case. We've to been talking for forty seven minutes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, so, I, I bring another unsolved case, um, give me a moment, and today I present, um, for our spooktacular special, um, another unsolved case, this one's a little weird, 
gotta stay with me. It's a little weird. I'm ready. Um, so this is the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Um, it's actually a very popular case in the like unsolved mystery, true crime community kind of thing. Um, Brian Schaefer was an Ohio State medical student who disappeared on the night of March 31st into the early morning, like somewhere in between the night of March 31st and the early morning of April 1st of 2006. He He was 27. Um, And he he went and saw some friends at this place called the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Um, That's a place I'd hang out. (laughs) He went and met up with some friends, and then he broke off from them at some point, and um, it was presumed by them, not necessarily, like, common knowledge, of course, it was presumed by them that he just went home for the night. Um, but that is not the case. He has, he has been missing since 2006. He's, no trace of him has ever really been found. There's been a couple little kind of weird events that have been, like, following this, and there's plenty of theories about where he is. Um, so he... Um, Brian Schaefer, um, was the older of two sons, um, to Randy and Renee Schaefer, and in, I believe, in, like, very close to that, because it was in March of 2006, his mother died, Hmm. um, which a lot of people point out, because it's, one of the theories goes that he may have just created a new life for himself because you did not handle his mother's death very well. Um, the problem with a lot of, like, theories like that about him leaving of his own accord, um, so he, classes at OSU had ended for spring break, um, and they, him and his father were celebrating, and, um, he was telling his father that he was going out to the Ugly Tuna Saluna to get some drinks with some friends later, and his dad did not want him to go. Like, he did not feel right about it for some reason. Um, and he didn't actually tell Brian that he didn't want him to go. Um, so Brian met up with a friend named William Clint Florence, um, and they later met up at the Ugly Tuna Saluna with a friend, Meredith Reed. Um, at, at, like, right about after midnight. Um, and she gave them, I guess that they had been bar hopping. Mm-hmm. So she gave them a ride back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna and joined them there for a last round. Um, and at some point in the night, Brian separated from them and they repeatedly tried to call him. And again, they just presumed that he went home. The problem with Brian Shaver's disappearance, which makes it kind of weird and is very, like, it, it, the the chances of like him disappearing of his own accord seem very slim. Is that Brian is never shown leaving the Ugly Tuna Saluna? There is an elevator to get into there, and then of course like a staircase, um, and the camera like pans back and forth. Um, and that staircase slash elevator is the only way in or out of the Ugly Tuna Saluna that's publicly accessed. Mm-hmm. Um. There's never any footage of Brian leaving the bar. There's there's footage of him entering, and there's footage of him outside talking to two young women. Um, and then he separates from them, and they leave down the escalator, and he turns around and goes presumably back into the bar, and then he's never seen again. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people say that he may have just changed his clothes, 
or he may have brought a hat or kept his head low or something like that. But the problem with that is that there, on the streets of Columbus, there's a lot of sub- surveillance cameras. Um, not only, and people are like, well, he must, he, he could have snuck out while like, the camera was panning. I don't think the camera, it may have like physically panned, but at some point they might have seen him like looking into the camera, like trying to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if that were the case, if he timed it perfectly, that he was able to get down the escalator before the camera panned back. There is no footage of him anywhere on the streets of Columbus, Ohio that night. There is no footage, in, and they, they looked extensively through every single security camera, and there is no footage of him anywhere on the streets that night. Hmm. So it's like he disappeared into thin air. Um, so he was dating a woman at the time by the name of Alexis Wagner, and... Um, Wagner and Randy Schaefer, uh, Brian's father, had tried calling him later that weekend um, with to no avail. And I guess Alexis has gone had gone to his apartment a couple of times. And that Monday, they him and Alexis were supposed to fly to Miami for spring break. Um, and of course, he missed his flight. Bless you. Bless you. Um, and that's when they really knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as the investigation started, of course, one of the things that people thought was he must have left of his own accord. His car was found, and nothing was disturbed in it. And it was found exactly where he had parked it the night of going out to drink. And, you mm-hmm. know, that that didn't seem too weird to investigators because, he, of course, he had been drinking. So, it's believed he probably had tried to, like, go home on foot. Um, again... If he had gone home on foot, there's no way those surveillance cameras would have missed him. Um, True. So, the first theory about Brian Schaefer's disappearance is that, of course, that he left of his own accord. That he didn't handle the passing of his mother very well. And so, basically, his father and his brother and his girlfriend all said that that was not the case. Like, he would not do that. Um, I guess that at some point, though, he had said something a little weird to Alexis, his girlfriend, about, like, running away with her. Um, and I think he had mentioned it once to her, and then that kind of went up, like, they never really spoke about it again, and they just made plans to go to Miami and have their vacation for spring break. Um, so it's, it's possible, but... They really don't think that's the case. Like, the, his, his family members really didn't think that was the case. Um, so, um, don't mind me, my brain just stopped working. So, around 1.15 a.m., the bar's main entrance, um, Brian is seen outside of the bar. Um, around 1.55, or 1.15 a.m., Brian, Florence, and Reed are shown going up the escalator to the bar, bar's main entrance. And then about 1.55 a.m., Brian's seen talking briefly to two young women, and then they say goodbye, and then he moves off camera, presumably going back into the bar. Um, so, the cameras might also have missed him, like I said. One panned around constantly, and the other one was operated manually. Mm. Um, and then there's the theory of him maybe possibly leaving on another route, but the building's only other exit was a service store that was not generally used by the public. 
Um, and it was like going, it was currently going through construction and would have been difficult to walk through sober, much less intoxicated. So that doesn't really add yeah. up, like that he would leave that way. And uh, footage from the other three nearby bars show no trace of him. The security cameras show no trace of him. Um, and it's it's also thought that, like, one of the theories was maybe he there was a, a tussle in the bar and maybe somebody, like, took him out through the security door and deposited him in the trash, which is really morbid to say. Um, no trace was found of him in the dumpsters, nothing like that. I don't believe that they really even picked up much of a scent of him because they used dogs. Um, and and the thing is, is flyers were put everywhere. Brian was not necessarily like an easy guy to miss. He was very attractive. He was very, very attractive. Um, he had a distinctive iris in one of his eyes. And then he had a tattoo of the stick figure, um, the album cover from... I can't remember what song it was. Hold on, I have it right here. From Alive by Pearl Jam. Um, but yeah, he had a distinctive distinctive fleck in one of his irises. Um, the police even persuaded the city to let them into the sewer system. Wow. And nothing was found there. So, after searching miles away from the bar in, like, every direction that they could, the police began to consider, like, maybe that there was an accident or foul play. Um, and it was speculated that he had gone away temporarily to grieve in solitude, but his, his disappearance, of course, it, it has proved permanent and unsolved. And there's really no other evident reasons for him to have appeared, or appeared, for him to have disappeared voluntarily. Huh. Um, and the only people who had seen him that evening were his father, um, Meredith Reed and Randy Schaefer, uh, and Randy Schaefer is his father, and Clint, um, Florence. And so Meredith Reed and Randy took a lie detector test, and both of them passed theirs. Florence refused. He mm -hmm. refused to take one. And to this day, he has not taken one and has adamantly refused to take one. Um, the two other women that Brian was seen talking to were identified, but they were never asked to take a lie detector test, um, presumably because they were seen leaving before Brian ever disappeared. So that leaves theory number two. Um, theory number two is that Brian never left the bar, but is that he is still in the bar. Um, there is some theory that maybe something happened and maybe, like, he was hidden in maybe, like, a bathroom stall or something until they could get him out undercover. There's theories of, like... There's one really morbid that, like, maybe he was walled up because there was construction going That's on. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like, maybe... Because like, I watched too much American Horror Story. Like, maybe he was killed and walled up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he is still in the bar. Um, there's, there's lots of kind of things... Or, like, maybe he... Um, but I believe that there was security footage throughout the bar anyway... Yeah. And there's nothing really showing a barrel, and it's, again, it sounds morbid, there's nothing showing anyone taking a barrel of a big enough size to fit a person in it. Um, and there's really no employee that had any motive. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the only like there's and the thing is is there's not really a suspect either because they never I don't think they've ever outright called Clint Florence a suspect in his disappearance. Um, so it's weird because he did he just disappeared into thin air. Um, so Wagner Alexis Wagner she would call Brian's phone every evening, um, before going to bed for a while after his disappearance, and they usually went to voicemail. But one time in September, it rang three times. And she said, I kept calling it purely because it was one of the best sounds I've ever heard, even if no one picked up. Um, And a ping from the phone was detected at a cell tower in Hilliard, which was 14 miles northwest of Columbus. But Singular, which was Brian's wireless provider at the time, said what Wagner heard may have been due to a computer glitch, Mm -hmm. which is really disheartening. Um, And the police received many tips, none of which really resulted in any breakthroughs in the case. And at a Pearl Jam concert later in 2006 in Cincinnati, Eddie Vedder actually took time between songs to ask for tips um, in Bryant's disappearance, but none of those really proved useful either. And possible sightings in Michigan, Texas, and even Sweden were investigated. Um, So Randy Schaefer, who had of course recently suffered the death of his wife and Bryant's mother, continued to search for his son on his own. Um... I don't. I think this is technically still an open case. Like, I don't think the police ever really closed this. Um, it's definitely a cold case, but I, I don't think it's... They haven't, like, chalked it up to, like, oh, he just ran off. Um, I wonder if they've, like, done any shows about it or anything. I don't really know. I don't know if... I think this might have been too far after, like, the Unsolved Mysteries era to end up on there. Um, there's lots of YouTube videos about it, though. So, um... A psychic that he consulted told him that Brian's body was in water near Bridge Pier. And I personally, you know me, I don't put a lot of stock in for-profit psychics. Um, I think the cold reading is an incredibly easy skill to learn. I think it's also an easy skill to utilize on people. Um, I do understand, like, I do think that cold reading on a singular person is, is a little bit harder than cold reading a room. Um, but there is no way that Brian Schaefer's case, especially as weird as it was, was not a little more heavily publicized in Cincinnati, and there's no way a psychic did not hear about it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't really put any stock in that, but that case, that kind of opened up the floodgate for another theory we'll talk about in a second. Um, but... Derek, Brian's brother, Randy, and some other citizens who would become interested in the case brought waiters which are, like, people who look through water, um, and spent much of their free time along the shores of, I think it's called the Olentangy River, which flows through Columbus, and it's adjacent to the OSU campus. Hmm. Um, and they searched for a while, but found nothing of, of Brian. Um, so the possibility, the possibility of him being near water or in water led the police to briefly consider, um, that, and this is theory number three, that he was possibly a victim of the Smiley Face Killer. And Smiley Face Killer is kind of an episode for another day, but it's a a brief synopsis, basically. Uh, The Smiley Face Killings were a... The Smiley Face Killer was believed to be either a singular serial killer or a group of people. Um, And all of their victims had a very similar... Like, they had a, 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 a very, like, similar victim type, which was... Young college-aged men, college-aged men, usually coming home from a night of partying, um, 
They were always found near or by water, or near or by, near or in water, and there was always a graffitied smiley face by their body. Um, and if that was the case, Brian Schaefer would not be the only unfound victim, like, suspected victim of the smiley face killer. I believe there's another one named Chris Jenkins who went missing on Halloween. Um, so he would not be the only one, but I don't believe that that's the case because, again, I... I don't really like to give my opinion too strongly on cases like this because I don't like to speculate and I don't like to offend, but I truly don't believe, I think if Brian was killed, I don't think, I think that he would have, his body would have been found. If he was killed in the Ugly Tuna Saluna, I don't think that like, or sorry, I'm, I'm totally, my brain's functioning correctly. Um, if Brian was killed that night, I believe he would have been killed in the Ugly Tuna Saluna. I don't think that he was killed out, outside. Um, but, like, it opened up that possibility that that could be it. Um, but the Columbus police eventually even rejected any connection to the alleged killer in Brian's case. Um, so the police don't even think that that's what it was. And then in 2008, a heavy windstorm actually in central Ohio, um, during the heavy windstorm, so two years after Brian disappeared, Randy was outside of the yard of his Baltimore home and he was clearing debris. And unfortunately, a branch blew off from a tree that was nearby and fatally struck him. So that opens up the thing of like, this is why... A lot of people don't think that Brian Schaefer is still alive because they believe that if he went to start a new life and he was anywhere that he was able to find out because his father's obituary ran online. So if he was able to access that and he knew, there, everybody close to him is like, there is no way that he would not come back for his father's funeral. Um... And since his obituary ran online, a condolence book was posted, and one of the signatures in it said, To Dad Love Brian. And it came out of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, and that suggested that Brian may have, may have left Columbus for a new life elsewhere. But however, upon further investigation, the note was found to have been posted from a public access computer in Franklin County, and it was determined to have been a hoax. That fucking, that sucks. Yeah, that's really fucking awful. Um... So, it's just a very weird kind of, of disappearance, because it literally is like he just went poof. Because there's no, they, they searched the bar extensively. There was no, like, nook or cranny, they said that they didn't search. And um, his father had hired a private investigator, his father looked for him, his brother never stopped looking. I believe Alexis Wagner um, helped in the, um in the search efforts for him and Alexis Wagner and then Ryan or Ryan Randy and um Derek Schaefer were never considered suspects in his disappearance um I don't think I think the closest anyone has ever been considered was was Clint Florence um but I still think they've never outright charged him with anything because the, there is no body Mm -hmm. Um, and there is no evidence there's no evidence of anything honestly there's no evidence that Brian has had met with foul play um they just simply don't know where he is and then 
in 2009, I believe. Um, oh no, it was in 2008. So in 2008, which was shortly after Randy Schaefer's death, Neil Rosenberg, who was the attorney for Clint Florence, wrote to Don Corbett, who was the private investigator who volunteered his time to help the Schaefer family. Um, he, Rosenberg wrote to him regarding Clint's ongoing refusal to take a lie detector test. And basically, Rosenberg said that he had learned that the Columbus police investigating the case believed that Brian was still alive. Um, and in 2009, April of 2009, The Lantern, which was Ohio State's student newspaper, disclosed that exchange. And the exchange um, went, if Brian is alive, which is what I'm led to believe after speaking with the detective involved, then it is Brian, not Clint, who is causing his family pain and hardship. Um, Brian should come forward and end this, Florence said. Uh, Florence, he said, did not have anything to hide. And he had merely told everything he knew from the beginning and did not see the value of doing so again. Um, and Rosenberg's, Rosenberg's assertions notwithstanding, many of those who were close to Brian have criticized Florence for not being forthcoming enough. Because if, in, in the case that Brian Schaefer is alive and is out there somewhere and is maybe somewhere so distant and like cut off from the rest of the world he doesn't know his father's past, um, Clint, Clint Florence is the only person who knows if that is the case. And he's, he, he, I, I have to imagine that Brian Schaefer may have disclosed that to him and he may be protecting him and not, and maybe Brian did not want anyone to know where he was going. Um, so that's why he won't take a lie detector test. Many people think that he had something to do with Brian's involuntary disappearance and that's why he won't take one. Um, but as soon as the, um, this is a quote from Derek Schaefer, who is Brian's brother and the last surviving immediate family member. He said, as soon as the detective started getting involved, that's when he pretty much had no contact with anybody regarding Clint Florence. Um, I've always thought he definitely knows something. He just won't come forward with it. And he believes it's still possible that Brian is alive and that Florence knows where he may have, may have gone. And um, Schaefer's girlfriend at the time, of course, Alexis, um, she believes that Florence is withholding information. However, she believes it's more likely that her former boyfriend is dead. Um, and she says he can't, she just can't imagine uh, he would do anything like that. And in 2014, the Columbus police said that they were still receiving at least two tips a month on the case via the local Crime Stoppers hotline, but none of them proved useful. And the evidence in this case um, fill about four boxes of files. Jesus. Which is crazy. Um, but I don't think that they're very public. And when I say that there's no evidence, I mean there's really no public evidence. I don't think they're very public about this case. Um, and one of the original investigators, Andre Edwards, told the Columbus Monthly that after, the extensive after extensive review of the camera footage at the Ugly Tuna Saluna from the night Brian disappeared, that he could say with 100% certainty that Brian Schaefer did not leave that night via the escalator. And he did not leave at all via the escalator. That in and no shape, in no way, shape, or form did he ever leave that bar through that main exit. Mm -hmm. um, and there is no other exit other than the construction one. So if Brian Schaefer led, if Brian Schaefer left through the, um, 
service door, he was let out through the service door mm-hmm. by someone else. Um, and it's said that they, the police say that they have three theories of the case, but they have declined to discuss them even generally um, with the magazine. So they are not very public about the ongoing what of they this think case. happened. Yeah. Um, and then one kind of good thing to come out of Brian's disappearance is that between his disappearance and, um, Randy's death, Randy Schaefer had joined the families of other missing adults in Ohio, um, in lobbying the state legislator to pass a bill establishing a statewide protocol for such cases, because they don't think that, um, I, this has always been an opinion of mine, I don't think that cases of missing adults and teenagers are treated with the same urgency as cases of missing children. Um, teenagers always seem to be chalked up to it's just a runaway. Mm-hmm. First of all, even if, if that child is a runaway, there is no reason why you should not be investigating the runaway of a minor. Yeah. Like, that child is still missing. And, like, the whole, oh, they're going to come home on their own, you can't guarantee that even if they are a runaway. Mm-hmm. Um, but missing adults also... I don't believe it's treated with enough urgency, and you lose a lot in those first, and I I know it's like a cliche, but you lose a lot in those first 48 hours. Yeah. Um, so Randy Schaefer helped lobby to get this bill passed, and at the time that Brian disappeared, it was left up to the individual departments on how to handle the cases, and some parents felt that the, felt that investigations into their relatives' disappearances had suffered as a result. Um, and by the time Randy had died, the bill actually became law. Nice. So it's, again, it's a very strange case. Um, I don't normally like to give my personal takeaway on cases, but I've always felt um, that Brian Schaefer never left that bar. I've always felt that there is no way, and if he did leave that bar, he was led through that construction zone by someone else. Mm-hmm. But there is no way in my mind, I don't, I do not believe that he left of his own volition. I do not believe that he left in disguise. Especially because by the time they came back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna, he was already intoxicated. I don't think he would have been in a state of mind to think to disguise himself. Yeah. Um, so I've personally always thought that Brian Schaefer, maybe not to this day, but I believe he remained in that bar for a while. Yeah. Um, what do you think, friend, from everything I've presented to you on this case? I don't know. I think he probably didn't leave the bar mm-hmm. at least, like, that night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do, I think that there's some form of foul play involved. Yeah. And I think, just like everybody else, that Clint Florence knows a lot more than he's willing to come forward with. Yeah, it feels weird. Yeah. You just, that you just wouldn't do it. Like, even if you did feel like you've said enough, like, mm-hmm. just take the fucking test. Mm-hmm. Like, only people that are lying. Only don't people take who have something to hide. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I understand, like, the idea of, Oh well, lie detector tests aren't lie detector tests aren't always accurate. They're really hard to cheat. Mm-hmm. They're extremely hard mm-hmm. to cheat. Um, but yeah, so that is that is my spooky case for the day. Cool. Very spook. Very very spooky. Um, again, I I think it's it's a very interesting one. I hope that 
some and, it, and it's sad um to say i i hope that at some day derek and alexis do get closure and they find out what happened yeah and it's sad to know that randy schaefer died never knowing what happened to his son yeah um but i do hope that there is some closure for his remaining friends and family yeah same that sucks i can't imagine how that would feel yeah it's a it leaves you empty especially like it's one thing to have somebody that you care about pass away and have the like proper proper rites and funeral and like last goodbyes and and you have a place to visit but it's much harder when you just don't know you just don't know yeah creepypasta time yes i have them here i love me some creepypasta some creeps I'll have you read um, Masterpiece first because it's, it's shorter. Okay. And then I'm going to read um, Bet- the Betsy one because okay. I want you to see the ending of that one. I want that to be a surprise. Okay. Betsy the doll. Masterpiece. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. This was posted in 2013. Yeah. It's actually one of the better okay. creepypastas. Um, masterpiece. I've been lying down for hours now. It's 5.35 a.m. and there's not much I can do. You know what the worst part about my situation is? I'm in the same room with my parents. They keep looking at me and I can't help but look back and try not to cry or scream. Their eyes are focused on me and their mouths are wide open. There's the strong scent of blood and I feel so paralyzed with fear. Here's the thing. The second I make any hint that I'm not asleep anymore, I'm completely fucked. I will die and there's nobody around to save me. I've been trying to think of a way out, but the only only idea I have is to rush for the door and run outside the front door and scream for help, hoping any neighbors hear me. It's risky, but if I stay here, I'll surely die. He's waiting for me to wake up and see his masterpiece. You're probably wondering what's going on. I do get ahead of myself sometimes. About three hours ago, I heard screaming from the other side of the house. I got up and went to check on the noise before realizing I had to use the restroom. Instead of doing the smart thing and investigating, I used the bathroom first. I could have gotten myself killed right then for my stupid actions. But I actually did my business and took a peek outside the bathroom. There was blood on the carpet. I got very worried and ran back to my room, hiding under my sheets like the pussy I was. I tried to convince myself to go back to sleep, that it was just some really vivid dream or something. But I heard my bedroom door open. Like the terrified child I was, I peeked from under my blankets to see what was going on. I could see something dragging my dead parrots into the room. It was not human. I can tell you that. It was hairless, with no eyes and no clothing. It walked like a caveman, with its back slouched as it dragged my parents. But this thing was much smarter than any caveman. It was aware of what it was doing. It propped my dad up on the edge of my bed and made him face me. It then sat my mother down in the chair and positioned her towards me as well. It then started rubbing its hands upon the walls, staining them with blood, and then drew a circle with the devil's pentagram in it. The thing had made out had made what it would probably call a masterpiece. To finish it off, it scribbled a message onto the wall that I could not read in the darkness. It then positioned itself under my bed, waiting to strike. The scariest thing is now, my eyes have adjusted to the darkness since then, and I can read the message on the wall. I don't want to look at it, because it's terrifying to think about, but I feel I need to see before I'm killed. I peek at the creature's masterpiece. I know you're awake. Oh, fuck, dude. Right? That's uh really fucking creepy. Yeah, I hate it. It's one of my favorite ones, and like every time I think about it, I'm like, hmm, don't like. I fucking dig it. 
Um, this one is a personal favorite of mine. This is Betsy the doll. You love dolls. I do. Um, so this is Betsy the doll. Like most people, I had a sad childhood. Who doesn't these days? My father left before I was born and my mother was on drugs from the day she brought me home. She slipped right back into her party lifestyle and turned our apartment into an opium den. I walked around in a drug-fueled haze for the first five years of my life. The smoky air flooded down the hallway and under my door and seemed to linger for days. My mother wasn't a bad person, just a victim of her addictions. When she did have spare money, she would put food in the house and even sometimes buy me clothes from Goodwill. The only pieces of furniture I had in my bedroom were a box spring mattress, were a box spring and mattress set, and a little blue and white toy chest. Not that I had a lot of toys to put in it, just the three I'd gotten for birthdays. One was an art kit, one was a red wagon, and the last, my pride and joy, was a doll named Betsy. Betsy was my best friend. We would have imaginary tea parties together, sleep together, take baths together, and sometimes I remember her speaking to me. Thinking about Betsy in adulthood has led me to believe that I was a severely traumatized child, who was often high on opium and therefore my memories were extremely unreliable. Still, I remember the sound of her voice, a high-pitched, tinkled lilt. I, and I remember the things she wanted me to do. Steal food for her. Bring her forks. Bring her knives. Hit the bad man who slept on our couch. Always bad things that would get me in trouble. I would blame it on Betsy, but my mother would never believe me. Adults never do. Around my sixth birthday, I asked my mother for a birthday party. I wanted to invite the not-nice girls from school, serve them cake, make them like me. I still remember standing in the kitchen with such high hopes, a glass, of, a glass bottle of soda shaking in my hand as I held my breath and awaited my mother's answer. She turned to me and laughed. A birthday party? Laura, that's ridiculous. I can't afford to feed 15 other children that aren't even mine. I can barely afford to feed you. You eat like an elephant, or should I say little Betsy does? I barely get anything to eat around here. My face fell as she shook her head, mumbled something, and stumbled off. I heard the music go up in the living room as more people walked in the door. Some left, some stayed. I knew none of them. My mother threw parties all the time. What about me? I was a child. My friends all had birthday parties, and now the mean girls would know I was too poor to have one and they would tease me even more. I felt the tears start to swell, and I ran into my room and slammed the door. Betsy was lying on the bed and smiling. She was always smiling. How could I forget? Just staring at me, smiling. She was going to tell me to do something bad, like steal more food or worse. This was all her fault. Betsy didn't have to go to school. Betsy never got in trouble like I did. And in my five-year-old little brain, I truly believed it was the doll, not my mother, who was the source of all my woes. I screamed in anger and threw the bottle as hard as I could at the bed. It hit Betsy. It hit Betsy and she fell on the floor. I laughed. I dragged her into the bathroom and threw her into our bathtub, which always had water in it as the drains were always clogged. Of course, she didn't fight back while she was underwater, but it made me feel better. A few minutes later, after I had finished taking the, out my anger and humiliation on my favorite toy, I threw her in the toy chest and slammed it shut. I kicked the chest against the wall. I never wanted to see Betsy again. I never owned another doll after that. About two weeks later, the police came in and two nice ladies took me to live in a new home in a new state with food and toys and no drugs. The trunk went into storage and the wagon disappeared. I never saw my mother again. As I got older, my foster parents admitted she was in jail during 25 years. I felt nothing for her anyway. I was still having nightmares because of the life she had given me. I focused on doing well in school and ignored her letters from prison. She reached out to me several times in my teens, but I always declined her calls. That is, until this morning. I am 30 now, with my own children and a husband who loves me deeply. I have a beautiful house, two dogs, and a career as a social worker to make 
a difference for kids who had it bad like me. So when I got a voicemail from my mother letting me know she had been paroled and wished to speak, I felt stable enough to let her say her piece. Since the kids were home from school, I went out into our shed in the backyard and returned my mother's call. The shed was the children's domain and they used it to play in the summer. I sat on my old toy chest, which was currently being used as a tea, ta- as a tea party table, and dialed the number she left me. Three rings. Hello, Laura. Hello, mother. How are you? Oh, Laura, thank you for speaking to me. I know you have your own life now and a family. I would love to meet them someday. I just want to tell you how sorry I am for everything. You are not meeting my kids. Ever. I'm going to say my piece here, too. The drugs destroyed you, and you took me alongside you. And you took me down alongside you. Honestly, I am surprised it took you so long to get caught. I'm not sure what you mean about being caught, Laura. I honestly know nothing. Look, it hardly matters. I do understand why you would feel that way. Why you would hate me and not want me to meet your little ones. I learned a lot about Jesus and forgiveness while I was away and just, oh, Laura, I am so sorry about Betsy. Betsy? I paused, confused. Why would you care about her? I know, I know, Laura. Believe me, I do. It was all my fault, the drugs. And Betsy, oh God, if I had only been there, if I had only been able to see through the haze, if I had only known. She's gone forever now and it's all my fault. As my mother began to cry, I tapped my fingers impatiently on the toy box. The drugs had clearly fried my mother's brain. Mother, why are you talking about Betsy? Why do you even care? And I know where Betsy is, right underneath me. You do? What are you talking about, Laura? Oh God, where is she? I shifted uncomfortably. Betsy's in the trunk. I honestly thought she had hung up. I heard nothing on the other end. What do you mean your sister's in the trunk? What? Sister, what the hell are you talking about? Back on drugs so soon, mother? Betsy is a goddamn doll. I locked her in the toy box a few days before you got arrested for opium possession. Laura. Oh, God, no, no, Laura. I wasn't arrested because of the drugs. I was arrested because of Betsy's disappearance. You always called her your little doll, but we all thought you knew. Oh, God, what did you do, Laura? What did you do to my baby? With no emotion, I set the phone next to me as I stood up. I could hear the distant sound of my mother's anguished cries and feel the dark clutch of agony in my own chest. Memories were stirring in the back of my mind, threatening to come flooding forward into my consciousness. Pushing against a door in my head, a door that had been locked so tightly for so long, I had forgotten it was there. Could the trauma and drugs have really led me to believe that a small child was actually a doll? Asking for food, asking for utensils to eat with, asking me to protect her from the bad man? No. I slowly turned around and brought my eyes down to the chest. Surely it was too small. You couldn't fit a person in there. You couldn't. But what about a very small, starving, emaciated child? What about her? If I were an investigator looking for a child, I would never consider to look in this chest. It was just too small. I knelt down to the ground and unclipped the clasp. It would be better not to look. After all that I had overcome, this new life I had earned, it could be all undone by opening this toy box. I shouldn't open it. I should throw it in the landfill and forget it even existed. I should not look inside. I opened the chest. I never had a doll. My mother could never afford to buy me one. I never had a wagon either. But I did have a toy box, a pretty blue and white toy box. And when I was five, I drowned my two-year-old sister and I put her in it. And now my life is ruined. Holy shit. Right. What the fuck? That, I know, I, like, knew you were, like, it's gonna be about a haunted doll and I don't want to do this. But I'm like, oh, no, mon frere. 
it's a person. Yeah, I, like, actually got, like, chills reading it, cool. and I've read that one, like, a thousand times. Yikes and some Nikes. I didn't like that. Yikes on a bike, right? It's like, oh, a twist. That oh, one's what really- What a twist. That one's really good. It's really well written. It is, yeah. I love that one a lot. Jesus. Even though it's- it shakes me to my core. So there were drugs, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I, I think- uh, this story, of course, is- it's it, this one's not, like, a true one. No, this I know. One. Um, but I feel like that the drugs may have contributed to, like, her thinking her sister was a doll. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Well, it is 640. We have places to be. Places to be. People to... Oh, no. People to do? Yeah, I almost really said that. Places to go, people to see, and things to do, and scares to get scared. And corn mazes to walk. Are we going to scare the scary scary people? Uh, yeah. <laughs> just scream back at them. Ah! Like someone jumps out and screams at you, you just scream back. That readout looks it's great. Gonna, we're going to a corn maze. It's going to be amazing. Stop. Okay, it's a double maze. It's a double maze pun because maze, like a corn maze, and then maze is the Spanish word for corn. corn. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Double, double pun. How many fucking times am I going to hear that tonight? It's amazing. Isaac's going to, you're going to say it to Isaac, aren't you? They're going to hate me. Yeah, they are. Great. God, Jesus, I fucking, I don't God, know Jesus, and the- God, Jesus, and the, the uh, Holy hey, Ghost. Hey, baby, I want to have a threesome. God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Boo. Okay, so... Boo, like, spooky stuff? Yeah. And boo, also, you suck. Wow, okay. <laughs> Me also, too, as well. Didn't come into my own home to be attacked like this. I live here, too. Didn't come into the home we share to be attacked like this. Yeah. Um, so I think that's gonna be it for Good us rap. today. It's yeah. gonna be a long-ass fucking episode. Um, you guys will be, of course, be hearing this sunday so um a mm-hmm. very joyous and happy halloween to y'all it's gonna be a fun time i'm gonna be punk rock dr phil that's happening tomorrow night also happy uh nevada day happy nevada day um celebrate nevada joyous fest festivus um so you can find me erica your your local uh nerd um on instagram as road of the dead uh facebook and twitter as erica galloway um, you can find all the podcast stuff in the description. Um, Noelle. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hero Turned Human. You can find me on Tumblr at Heartset West. And you can find me in your local corn, corn maze just screaming at people. Yeah. Just fucking. Just fucking. And Fortnite dancing. And Fortnite Please dancing. Fortnite dance in the corn I'm maze gonna tonight. I'm going to Fortnite dance in this corn maze. Fuck yes. It's going to be a great time. Okay, so uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna we're say gonna goodbye for now. Yeah. Um, see you guys next week. And uh, get, get weird. weird.